Hello? 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 Fuck, hello? 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 Someone turn this shit down! Hello? What the fuck? Fucking Christ! Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of Hoodlums. It's gonna be a fucking mess. So glad you're here. What the fuck? You fucking heard me. You I said you were gonna mute your mic when you sneeze. Was that a sneeze? No, not at all. Now I don't want to know. Did he come? The world may never know. I. And I'm it will sure be better for it. it. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Choo choo. Anyway, welcome to the first episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Sully. And I'm Nate. He's Nate. He's scrot aerobics. Scrot aerobics. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Sully the Squissy. Squissy? Yep. That's, that's what that it is today. That. I yeah. fucking hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> you have something wrong with some straight up calamari squid pussy. Yes. <laughs> some squissy. Yes. Some delicious, some scrumptious squissy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> Sully, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I worked overtime today for the first time in a while, so I made a lot of money. Which made me feel okay because my supervisor had to stick up his ass. Literally, I, I shit you not, I work at the uh, post office. And normally, everything's fine. We socialize a little bit, talk to our neighbors, and walk around and talk to people as the day goes by. And this little munchkin decided to get a stick up his ass, and he didn't want us talking. And he literally told us, not a peep, or I will discipline you, blah, 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 blah. Which, he can be a dick about things and mess with it, but literally just fucked with Fucked with the vibe, but I was making a lot of extra money, so it was fine with me. <laughs> when you when you call him a munchkin, is that like a he is, is a like tiny a, he is a tiny man. So he, that is that is a uh, like a vertically charged comment, right? Yes, he he suffers from small man syndrome in every every ounce of the word. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I I don't really want to get into that. Fox, how was your day today? Uh, uneventful, which is perfect honestly i'm a little sick as you can hear i got a little cold trying to nurse that back to health and so you know kind of napping in preparation for oh, night, you know. napping yeah man and i'm not a big i don't know i've said this before i don't really care for napping i feel like it's kind of a waste but it was so good you better watch your fucking mouth first of all i fucking can't first of all and second of all it's yeah I, I'm going to lose all of my listeners just because you hate naps. Yeah, what the are you fucking nap racist? Uh, yeah. Napsist. A napsist. Jesus. (laughs) I'll be completely honest. I can't remember what I did today. Is that a good thing? I can't remember. (laughs) Is it trauma or is it the edibles? (laughs) Nothing bad happened today. It's just literally I don't... I don't remember. Nothing of interest, I guess. Have I mean, you been a doctor good... recently? Uh, no. That's a solid Saturday, though. I mean, you know, nothing has to happen perfectly every day, right? You don't have to have 
You don't have to be productive. You don't have to do something of merit every fucking day. That is actually my goal for Sundays, is to not do anything of merit. And it's usually my Saturday goal. Fuck a Sunday. Fuck a Sunday. <laughs> I'm trying um, to make up for all that time I went to church. Oh, man. There you go. Yeah, fuck a church. No, you don't didn't. do that. They'll kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. for our first topic today, if you were to fuck a church. <laughs> oh, my God. No. No, 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 no. You seriously can't remember anything you did today. Um, come on. You didn't go to the gym with your mom? No, no, I didn't. No, you played. Cru- no, it is trauma. I know it's trauma because you played Crucible earlier. Oh, oh that's I totally did. Man. I totally did. You're right. Oh, I did. Oh, no. Suppress the memories of the whole day thanks to Crucible. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's probably more likely that it's the edible, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll go with that. It just it seems more appealing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I had McDonald's for lunch. I remember that. Mm. Sully, did you play Destiny today? I haven't played Destiny in probably a week because I'm an asshole. Yeah, for those of you guys listening, if you don't know, Crucible is an event in Destiny. Um, the three of us are uh, in a guild and a clan together that we have helped create. And Crucible, we hate it. It's awful. All those damn cheaters. It's terrible. Makes me wanna makes me wanna take a ride on my fucking ceiling fan. (laughs) Or at least just forget your whole day. (laughs) Dangling from something. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean I'm really just hanging out. Just swinging. Yeah. You know. Good God. Just checking out the view. Good. All right. Well, moving on, because nobody gives a shit about us. Let's go to our first topic, all right? First episode, here we are, hoodlums. Are video games becoming unfun? Speaking of Crucible. (laughs) Speaking of Crucible! No, it's true. That's true. As I stated before, we are in a uh, clan in Destiny 2 that we have created, we've helped found, we've got a Discord, we've got a whole nine yards, and we have been... The three of us have been searching for video games... For years now, to try and stick with something that we all love and found some serious frustration over the years. So that really spurred this conversation of our video games becoming unfun. And we want to touch on that. You know, it's something video games are, are a big part of our lives. Um, some of us more than others and other times more than other times. You know, sometimes I want to play and sometimes I don't. But it's it's a serious discussion, you know. It's since I was a kid, I've been playing video games. As an adult, I'm playing video games. And are they as good as they used to be? You guys, what do you think? Squissy. Sully. I've been playing video games since I was like six. Oh, I thought you were queuing me in. No, I was going to ask you a question. Well, then ask. Sorry, go ahead. It's it's ruined. Mm -mm. Go. Mm -mm. Go. Well, I've been... What? At least finish what you were saying. I was saying I've been playing video games since I was six when my uh, my mom started dating my now stepdad and he had a Super Nintendo. My first game I ever played was uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh. I love oh, that game. Oh, classic. That's hard I to come it. by. Yeah, I, I it still is at my uh, mom's house, actually. My you little could... brothers somehow broke our Super Nintendo, even though those things were built to last forever. But uh, it 
It was one of my favorite games, and I even had nightmares about it, but it was a cool nightmare. Like, I straight up remember the studio house that my stepdad had, and we were all out on the front porch, and we were shooting zombies with water guns, and it was working. And it was awesome. But uh, I, I've, I've been enjoying video games for basically my entire life. And, uh, yeah, starting from the age of six. That game, honestly, if you still have a physical copy of that game, that's worth some money. Probably. Those old school cartridge games, especially SNES, there's a lot of games that are worth some money. That's one of them. It's really hard to find. Well, I better go over to my mom's house before we publish this episode. (laughs) Yeah, you don't, I will. I'm already there anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, video games, you, childhood, go. Okay, well, first, I was going to ask a question to both Mm -hmm. of you. I'll go one by one. Uh, Sully, in the last month, have you had fun with a video game? I have. You have? I I have. Has it it been a lot of fun? So I think we were talking about this before where I really like RPG games. I like the Assassin's Creed games. I like, I've been playing Valhalla these last couple weeks and I enjoy the combat. I enjoy upgrading my stuff. I enjoyed that pursuit for making a better character and being the best character that they're allowing me to upgrade to be and yet we were talking about how i have am seeing myself doing the same thing over and over and over and over again as if i am a character in the sims sitting at a computer (laughs) and i have selected play video games and then there's that little bar of progress all the way up to the top. And it's like, you have finished this video game. Move on to the next video game. And, I, and sometimes it feels like that. And I'm, I've still been playing it like up until we started doing that. I was playing it. And I was doing the repetitious stuff. I enjoy decapitating these Franks with my double great swords and then like throwing poison clouds at people. And just, I, I'm, I enjoy it. I'm having fun with it, even though it's repetitious. And then, and I still look forward to it when I'm not playing. So I, I would say I'm having fun. I get a level of satisfaction from it, even though from the outside looking in, I can see that it's, it's just me doing the same thing over and over again. You know what? I got two points for you. One, if you'd spend that much time, that much repetition on the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, you'd be saved today. Okay? Oh my God. Listen, I, you'd, you'd be going to a better place. That's all. Uh, anyway, um, if I asked for secondly, forgiveness, priest would strangle me. <laughs> second question. <laughs> second question, a follow up. In the last year, how many games have come out or have you played that you would say you legitimately had fun with for, you know, over half of the time you played the game at least? Jeez, I'd have to go look at my Steam library and go look at a few. Of the, I would say more than half I've enjoyed. Really? But how not, many is that? Um, probably Just like ballpark. Yeah, twelve or thirteen. Um, now in, a year? For, in the year now, not all of those lasted as long as some others. Like I've been playing um, Valheim for, or not Valheim, um, Valhalla. Valhalla for a couple weeks. I'll probably play it for another week, week and a half. But mm-hmm. then I had games like, speaking of, Valheim that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but I only played it for a week and a half. And then, yeah. like, I played Humankind for four days. I really enjoyed my time playing it, but after I won my fourth game, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm done. I, I got what I wanted. Like, I get these cravings, almost like food, where it's like, I want to play this type of game because I want to achieve this in order to get uh, some level of satisfaction that I've built up for myself. 
And one of those things, I forget what triggered it, but I wanted to play a civilization building type of game where you create a a culture or a civilization or something and you bring it to fruition and you conquer the world or accomplish something. And I I satisfied that desire and then I moved on. And I was I was happy with it. I had fun. Bet. Okay. Fox. Same two questions. Who? First one. Who? Nate. Uh, oh my who? god. I knew it. It was gonna <laughs> fucking happen. I didn't think it was gonna be you though. You fucking <laughs> score squishy. <laughs> You fucking little sexy bitch. Who the fuck is Fox? He's gonna he, he he's gonna beep it again. I, I, in in post production, he's gonna beep it. I don't care. Mm, I don't beep. care. What do you mean beep. calling him? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you think that's something a, funny about that? Yes, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I have a counter question for Sully. Yeah. Okay. You talk about repetition. Mm-hmm. How much of that enjoyment that you've discussed is also based in part on your abuse of substances? Serious question. Honestly, none of it. What? I I have not imbibed like at all these last few weeks. Um, I usually only imbibe when we're having like boys night or something, but I'm also not someone that uses substances unless I'm being social. So this game is single player. And usually, like, I'm just in my own little world, so I don't usually imbibe in substances unless I'm social. Like, I've got... Really? Oh, I'm, yeah, but that's just the way I've always been. I, I would definitely say that I am unique in that sense of I have a full liquor cabinet behind me that I probably haven't touched in a couple months because I've been doing edibles instead. And even those edibles, I've mostly only been doing when we play games together. See, I do kind of get that. I've never been a big fan of of drinking by myself, no matter what. But mm. since I've come around to like edibles and stuff, I'm 100% like in. Absolutely. Uh, fuck it. In fact, I think I might have more fun solo than when I do, than I, when I get high with other people. Just because fucking anything is there, I can do whatever. Specifically, um, I've been playing the shit ton out of Far Cry 6 lately. And that game is incredible when I'm high. It makes everything so new and fun. It's it's great. And honestly, Far Cry, as a lot of people will tell you, is one of those game series where um, sometimes it can feel like it's the same thing with a different coat of paint on it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm starting to get to the point, and I'm not a huge Far Cry fan, mind you, but I'm starting to mm-hmm. get to the point where it's like, yeah, the, co- the story's really cool, and that helps, but the gameplay mechanics are mostly the same through and through until you end up doing like a plot mission. Um, mm-hmm. And as someone that's, you know, got 700 hours in Destiny over the last couple months, um, I getting high has been like the single reason why I'm still playing that game. It just it, was- it adds so much enjoyment to the menial tasks for me that I can't necessarily sit and commit myself to when I'm not high. Um, my issue is I forget what I'm doing when I get high. So I'll be sitting at a, in a <laughs> playing my video game and be halfway through a mission and then go start doing <laughs> random stuff on accident and then realize right. that I've run out of time on this mission and wait, what What am I doing again? And just that's, mm-hmm. I can't be productive when I play video games if I'm imbibing. Like it's great for games like Overwatch or like <laughs> yeah. arena shooters where it's, it's like, just, you go so here, you shoot, shoot reds. We're great. 
Yep. But if I I'm just, actually trying to follow a, a plot line or a story or listen to what someone's telling me, I just zone the fuck out. I can yeah. do that really well, but I was playing a game of League the other night just for shits and giggles, and I was high, and I bought like four of the exact same item and wasted all of my money, and I didn't notice until halfway <laughs> through the game. And I was like, oh, well, fuck, maybe I'll stick to Destiny 2, huh? <laughs> So um, my question over the top of that, Kyle, Yeah. going back to the point of this whole question in itself, and I think this comes back to you and I a lot and Sully a little bit later on. We pose this question because you and I and Sully have had a really hard time finding something that we love that we've stuck to. Oh, yeah. We have purchased games, we have returned games like Mad Men over the last couple of years. Yeah. So do you feel like you need that substance to enjoy it at this point. You kind of answered it, but I kind of want to dabble into it a little bit. Um, so one thing real quick before we end up getting into this, I do want to get your answers from the questions I asked Sully. Um, in the last okay. month playing a video game, have you had fun? Twice. Yeah. That like was with actual... the Life is Strange games, I bet. Right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's... I have a unique perspective here because I love destiny um i've had a lot of fun with it we've been putting a lot of time into it um it's right now it's a half an hour of fun a week and then grinding stuff that needs to be done mm -hmm. <coughs> well not me. even that um, anymore the fun shit's gone now so now well, it's, it's back to grinding random shit and i don't want to sit here and say that i haven't been having fun with it but not to the scope that i require to call a game fun yeah um it's been mostly chore over fun for sure. But yeah, I mean, I play video games for different reasons than most people do. I need some sort of compelling story or I hate it and I can't put in a lot of time into it. And yeah, so when you, you know, when you were streaming Life is Strange and it, I, of course I knew it was a title. I've known it's existed, but I've never gotten into it. So watching you stream True Colors, I went and bought one and two. And yeah, absolutely. Those games are, they're single player. They're story driven. And yes, I've, I've played now through both one and two and I love them both. And that was probably the most fun I've had in a video game in probably three to six months. Yeah. Um, um and it's, it's yeah. <laughs> so at a greater scope then in the mm -hmm. last year, same question I posed to Sully. Um, would you say that many of the games you've played in the last year have legitimately brought you that, you know, that enjoyment, that level of fun, for at least like half of your game time in them? well less than half of the games that i've purchased yeah well less than half and I, again a different perspective than sully sully plays a lot of games without us yeah um and honestly the last two years of my video gaming has been mostly with you mm -hmm. or you both so you guys know what i've played and especially kyle we buy games at the same time we play them together we don't we keep them where we don't and most of the time we don't and it's no i mean it's i would say probably like of the of the new games at least i'll, I'll call it new to me right like mm. I, new titles to me that's a whole nother genre that's a whole nother thing that's a whole nother discussion we can get to that but as far as the new games to me that i've purchased in the last year i've probably i would probably say that i've had legitimate fun with five of them i honestly kind of echo that so to uh, to answer my own question real quick before we delve into the the whole point about right. substance use and games that you brought up, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd say I've had fun in the last month. However, I'd say one of the flaws with that question is that we've had some 
you know, we've had some pretty good releases over the last month. If you asked me this question like two or three months ago, my answer would have been no. 100% it would have been no. However, you know, we had Deathloop, which I think is fantastic. We've had Life is Strange True Colors, which has also been great. I've been playing through Far Cry 6, and honestly, um, my enjoyment of that game, which is a lot, I do enjoy it a lot. It might be because I'm not really a huge Far Cry fan, so I haven't played the other ones. I know a lot of people have been up in arms about how it's essentially the same thing, but it's a new formula for me, so I've been enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Beyond those, I would say, yeah, less than half of the games that I've purchased, I probably ended up enjoying. Most of them I've ended up refunding if I could, and the saddest thing about them is a lot of those games were ones that I thought I would actually enjoy, and yeah. they're just legitimately missing things that they shouldn't be missing. Uh, they're just poor showings. I don't know. It's weird, and it's disappointing. It's just... It's kind of gross. Um, but... Good news is there have been games recently, especially like Deathloop. I've been super impressed by Deathloop, even if it does get a little repetitive by the end. It's 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 been a good time. But like of say I downloaded over the last year, 50 games, right? I would say probably less than seven of those were ones that I was actually legitimately impressed by. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's. And I don't know, there's a lot to say about that and we can get into it later, but once more, ask me the question about substance abuse that you did. Do you feel like you have needed to abuse, abuse substances, abuse, <laughs> abuse the substances to enjoy or enhance your enjoyment of video games? In some cases, yeah. In the case of Destiny 2, I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had with Destiny. And I'm one of those guys that really does find fun in some level of repetition provided, you know, everything else is good about it. So in Destiny, you know, it's a game that feels good to play, so I can get behind it. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily get behind it to the level I've been doing it, which, you know, is 700 hours over the course of just a few months, which is fucking way too high. Way incredibly too high. But for that reason, yeah, I mean, there's not much I enjoy about it other than new story content that I would legitimately choose to go do without getting high first. In terms of some of these other games that I just finished talking about, Deathloop, no, absolutely not. Far Cry, no. Uh, Life is Strange, no. I do think that they enhance the situation. I think that I enjoy them like legitimately more so than if I'm not, but that has more to say about me than the game itself, right? In terms of the same old games, yeah, but we've had some real standout releases just recently. Kind of skews that in a weird direction, but... Mm-hmm. What about you? I mean, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask this question to. Um, I mean, my question was really directed at you. Um, I think it was specific to you. I think Sully can answer it as well. But my, you know, my usage of substances is very, very small and was not intended to enhance any sort of video game. Actually an intervention, Kyle. Oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> I mean, I would have, the thing is, I would have answered, I would have answered your question for you differently, I guess. Yeah, what would you have said? I would have said absolutely. I think that, you know, there's been conversations where we've had, and you could have been memeing to a certain extent, but where you've had, I we need, I need to get high first, you know? And I just, you know, as much as as hard of a time as we've had finding games to play, I guess, you know, 
getting through the things that we've needed to get through, I th- I would have I would have thought that you would have said that yeah, you would have needed to to enjoy or at least turn off the bad experiences of it. I guess that might be a better way to put it. Yeah. I have to do something that I don't want to do or don't necessarily want to do, so I have to do this to make it feel okay, which I guess maybe ultimately is another conversation. But Yeah, so it's a weird thing to approach, right? Because on some level, I think it's totally acceptable for, you know, a game that's that's chill anyway for you to just like get high, play it. I mean, that's kind of the dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um if it gets to a point though where you're getting high so that you can enjoy a game, while that might say something about the games industry, it probably says more about the person doing it. <laughs> I mean, at that point the argument is just don't play any games, right? But well, that's just, kind of, we're ultimately trying to get to an to an end topic here. So I'm just right. So staying within the topic of games, though, if you asked me that question a month ago, I probably would have had a more resounding answer Mm -hmm. Um, specifically on, you know, the games themselves. I mean, you know, as well as I do, how many fucking shitty Steam games we've gone through just to try and refund. It's it's bad. It's really bad. And for every one good game that we found, there's probably 15 or 20 of those that we downloaded and fucking hated. But there's some that were amazing because we were having Boys Night. We were specifically getting fucked up. And yep. like games like Raft and that were just, they weren't complex, but they were just difficult enough that while inebriated and while trying to have some fun, it posed just enough of a challenge to keep us interested for that extended period of time that we were playing them. And then beyond that, it was, now it's too simple. Like we kind of simplified our brains to play a more simple <laughs> game and have more fun with it. Kind of, and the same way with like Overwatch and and those other games that it's just it's not a complex game. It's just you do it, and yep. so you enjoy the process more when you're more in a, an aloof state, and you enjoy your company more. And it a lot of it had to do with the multiplayer games. And there's definitely some games out there that if I was not inebriated, I would get bored fast. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Kind of backing up though, and just kind of getting away from substance use and video games. Cause I know we kind of want to focus on the greater question here. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of want to flush out our usage first. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of piggybacking off of something Sully just said, a lot of games that have come out recently, uh, recently being over the last couple of years have just not, been fun to me and i know people have fun with them is the thing there i mean some of these games have huge communities that really enjoy them and i just haven't been able to and i think that's part of the experience right but there's something to be said about how little i found a game that i did actually enjoy and if it were just me it would be a different situation but it's something that i hear echoed not even just among us or in you know, the Limit Break Discord, but on the internet, all over the place. It's just people talking about there not being anything new to play or nothing good to play, <laughs> you know, in the case of like Cyberpunk 2077, which probably will call for its own episode down the line. I mean, we've gotten a lot of cyberpunks and cyberpunk is the king of the cyberpunks, right? Mm-hmm. But like, we've gotten a lot of those. And we've gotten a lot of indie titles that might not be that might not be popular to a wider audience, right? I just there's a lot of factors that go into it though. Well, let's go into this, I guess. Do you guys find many indie titles not only worth buying, but then fun after you buy them? 
All right. Well, my biggest thing is I've always had a really weird stigma against indie. I don't know what it was. I don't know if there was a game that I played that I just got let down on or what, but I have this weird thing where I don't, I always have a bad view going in immediately on indie games. And I've, I can't remember the last one I paid for and I I enjoyed that wasn't an indie game that ended up getting funding and then actually was properly produced. Like I think Rebel Galaxy was one that was like a $20 game and I guess you could consider it indie, but it still had the higher production value than what I consider an indie game. But Mm -hmm. for, for 20 bucks, it had, it had a basically um, it was space and flying around and but it the design that they did they basically emulated as if you were actually on a boat on the water so even though it was in space it was all just one linear level and all the planets and all the things you were fighting so it made it easier to play and i would consider that one i guess indie because it wasn't by a huge company i think but i enjoyed it it was simple it wasn't um it wasn't vast and I, I enjoyed playing it, but I would say other than like games like Lunch Lady or those little ones that we goofed <laughs> off on, I've never really played indie games. Well, I think indie games are almost impossible to define at this point because I think the idea of an indie game is, has changed a lot, especially over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, I'll bring up the, uh, the, uh, the company Supergiant Games, right? So Supergiant has come out with several games over the last 10 years. Bastion, Transistor, and most recently Hades, mm-hmm. right? Um, ten years ago, Bastion and Transistor. Well, Transistor wasn't ten years ago, but doesn't matter. Those were indie games. Okay, they were small development companies put out a game, brilliant, right? Fantastic games. Now it's hard for me to say, you know, with with the success of Hades, it's hard to call them an indie an indie company, right? But it's not a AAA title. I, I think there's a line that gets passed. I, I wouldn't know where to call the line, but mm-hmm. I know Bastion and Transistor both sold fairly well. They're they're pretty popular games, especially in the indie communities. Hades mm-hmm. is essentially a fucking AAA title at this point with how much money it's made and how much people love it. I mean, the game is essentially a household name right now, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, is fucking awesome, by the way. Great job to that team yeah. and the developers and all that stuff. That was so, so cool. And the game was fucking phenomenal. So, so you guys did an incredible job. I think the line lands somewhere between experience and money earned because both of those things allow them to repurpose that into like a legitimate game studio. And not to disparage indie studios as not being legitimate game studios. But when I when I say legitimate, I mean something more along the lines of like, uh, like an Ubisoft development branch or, you know, even just fucking Ubisoft in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because uh, there's a point where when I see indie, I usually put together, you know, uh, an amateur project, something done by a couple people that's, you know, kind of a passion project maybe. And I don't know where that line is for them, but I think that's where the line is drawn eventually. I don't know if you guys think mm-hmm. the same, but... I mean, that's that's where I that's where I struggle is not knowing what I could consider an indie game or not. Like yeah. going back to the Rebel Galaxy, that it was made by a company called Double Damage Games, and other than a really shitty uh, <laughs> sequel that they made, that's really the only thing that they've done. So, yeah. I, would you consider that indie if it's their only game that they've really made? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'd yep. consider that probably the most indie. Yeah. When when I think indie games, most times I think about like the first game from 
a team of like from a team that's not backed by a big studio maybe is a better mm-hmm. way to put it okay. um or you know even a, a team of hobbyists but it doesn't have to be hobbyists because i would consider you know how all the time people break off from big live service games to go make their own game yeah, all the time I, I would consider those teams to be indie as well honestly for me thinking on it more it definitely comes down to having that backing and the exception being if they make enough money to not need that backing then to me they just kind of become a game studio so it, it's not necessarily experience in all cases i think it can play a part but i definitely think that's indie so you know looking back over the last couple months of games we've played uh, you know indie would be like raft of course valheim um tribes of midgard i think lunch lady well, yeah, yeah lunch lady for sure uh labyrinth <laughs> okay um yeah i mean i guess i can't say i haven't been playing any indie games because i just i have not been able to define it i guess in my mind i never cared to I mean, so that was we're kind of getting into the meta of a, of a conversation that I was going to kind of kind of come over the top here later in my notes here. But <clears throat> indie games have have changed in definition, I think, a little bit. And I think Kyle hit that right on the head. They they shift. And, you know, what we used to call indie 15, 20 years ago is no longer indie. I mean, the, the exposure alone between Steam and Microsoft, who has been buying up indie studios left and right over the last five years mm-hmm. has been putting them on their game on their game passes and stuff like that to get more exposure. So these little indie studios are there. People are have access to these games and um, well, not access, but definitely have more exposure to those games than they ever did. So going back to Sully, what you said, a lot of the games that the three of us have been diving into like launch lady and like these, I don't, you know, you don't want to call them trash titles, but smaller little other titles that we have purchased and dabbled in have been indie games. They're just small companies that have put out, put out games that we've just been trying and, you know, has, how does that, I guess, how does that come full circle into have games, have games become unfun? So this, uh, this is actually where I was trying to bring us initially. Um, and we did get kind of sidetracked, but my question in that case, given what you just explained, becomes with how many indie games have released in the past year and how many AAA titles have released in the past year, does this idea of not having fun start somewhere in these shitty little Steam games? Because when you have so many releases, it kind of starts to seem like they're all bad just because so many of them are. And when I say shitty little releases, I'm not talking about, you know, the legitimate good indie games on Steam. But, you know, the the throwaway games that'll cost you five or ten bucks or that are free and that you'll probably spend an hour in until you realize it's probably just a fucking acid flip from the Unity store or some shit, so you refund it. But with so many shitty games releasing, does that hurt the perception? Could that be a part of it, that maybe games aren't legitimately getting worse but that there are so many bad games that it's making it seem like it. The market's getting flooded with shit so that it seems like there's more shit than there is good stuff. Right, and that's a fact, I would say. I would say that there is most definitely an abundance of shitty games, and when you compare them to good games, it's, it's a very weird ratio. I just, I don't know if, maybe I mean, maybe this is an out for for the games industry in a certain kind of way, but... 
I definitely feel you a little bit on that because I've begun feeling like when, let's just say I'm going through the Steam store, I need something new, something different. Yeah. I, I click the categories and I start going down the list. I feel like I spend as much time going through that list of new possible games as I do looking at for a new show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a ton of stuff there. Just none of it seems appetizing. And it might even just be the fact that there is so much choice that I've now become more picky because I have so many options. And so I need to find something perfect because if there's this many options, there's got to be something perfect that's right. going to fill that niche that I, or that scratch or scratch that itch that I really want. Like when I say that I want to play this very specific type of game, then I'm going to go find it because it must exist with all these available options. Yeah. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's like every week, at least once, I'll go through Steam and I'll look at these different games and I just, with the the scarcity of AAA titles in relation to how fast these indie titles release, if I'm looking every week for something to play and every week it's just new shit and, you know, the AAA titles, which aren't all great either, by the way, in fact, most of them have fucking sucked lately. If those are few and far between comparatively, I, I feel like at least for me, it's part of the problem. At least a part of my observation of the problem anyway so i i don't know how much of it actually lies on whether games are still fun or not or if it's just if it's an observational thing if it's just not even to do with that you know well i think that also touches that a the difference between the indie and the triple a games is indie like they're aware that there's these algorithms or these things that really pull people in and they don't want to fall into that whether a they don't want to be copying people for the legal ramifications or the lack of creativity that would be thrown at them or that those accusations that would be thrown at them so they try to do all these new things and a lot of them are going to fail you I mean you just keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks right. and these triple a games have come up with these styles or algorithms as they're regularly referred to that really pull people in you were saying you really enjoy far cry 6 yeah um that's part of the ubisoft algorithm that go go to this place discover this thing kill this thing upgrade these things that is exactly how all of the far cry games starting with three all the way to six (laughs) and that's how the last three major assassin's creed games are origins Um, odyssey and valhalla it's they are almost the maps all look the same it's just they have all these little icons everywhere you go get your things you have to kill these things to gather these things and you upgrade your character and you go to the next thing and the and then you're level locked because this area is too difficult until you get the right amount of upgrades so you got to stay in this area and that's that's the algorithm that ubisoft has used for their rpg games so that's not recent though no, that's been not, around for a while. Right, and I don't want to cut you off, and I don't want to, but I kind of want to throw this wrench in there. That's that's an action RPG. That's a genre. That's just the way that that works. But that's that's not how it used to be. Like the first two Far Cry games that were action RPGs, you still had some level of upgrades or whatever, but it wasn't a look at the map, look what you've missed, be a completionist. It was play the story. And there are a few little things here and there, and it wasn't exactly linear, but there there was a decent amount of exploration and other things you could do just for the fun of it, instead of I'm going here because there's a big uh, white dot on the map that I have to go look at in order mm-hmm. to get this check mark on my thing. And right. that brings me around to the other 
algorithm that came out a long time ago with MMORPGs was the nerd points that I've mentioned multiple times. And that's mostly, when I say nerd points, I'm talking mostly about achievements. Now, that's such a common thing now. But when I first was introduced to achievements, I was playing World of Warcraft. And it was it was very new and it was uh, it was one of those things where you had this giant menu and you logged in one day and it was like here's your 712 nerd points for the things you've accomplished but that's only what we've recorded so far and here's 10,000 more that you can earn if you go do these specific things in a specific way and i feel like those kinds of things it's no longer I'm playing the game to play the game. I'm playing the game to earn these points. I'm playing the game to get this, you've unlocked zero out of 70. I want to get that number to 70. I got to get this completion. I got to, I got to do these things and these challenges and all this stuff. And at what point does that stop being fun and just start being another job or a chore? Have you ever had an experience at a trap house? What? At a trap house. Are, Are you talking about a house full of boys that look like girls? Hell yeah. I, <laughs> the fuck? I, you know, go ahead, Fox. I don't even want to comment on. What were you going to say? What's What are you talking about? I was just saying, it sounds like he's fiending for a drug is just all, all yeah. I wanted to. He's, he's talking dragon. about achievements like he's doing lines in a fucking... Uh, in a so, rundown trap house, like well, there's two ways to look at there's two ways to look at this because a game companies put those in games now to keep you playing their game and right? beyond just completing the game, right? They want you to keep playing their game instead of buying other games from other companies. Play our game, play our game, play our game, right? You either do that because you want to keep playing this game that you enjoy, or you're like me and you have ADHD and you have to, so. Does that add to video games being unfun? Is that a bad thing? Well, you said have to, not want to. So is that something that you feel compelled to do? Or is it something that you have a legitimate desire and will feel a legitimate amount of satisfaction while doing it? Or will you only feel the satisfaction once it's done? So I have always kind of been able to, and this is going to go again, it's going to go a little bit against what I just said. I have always been able to kind of turn achievements off in my brain. I don't care about the achievement. For me, it's about clearing the map. Yeah. In a game like I get that, that. Right. It's not about, Ooh, I got this achievement from Sony or from Microsoft or from steam. I I've never cared about steam achievements ever. I've never given a shit. And I've been a Steam member for I don't even know how long. A game, an action RPG like like an Assassin's Creed, and Assassin's Creed has been guilty of this since Assassin's Creed 1, is look at all these little things on the map that I can go get. What is that? Why is that? What is that there? I need to get them all. I need them clear of my map. Did I enjoy doing it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> he just likes to play the victim a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Sure, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a part of it. You know, I... It was a little absurd towards the end, especially now the last Assassin's Creed game that I played. And I, I'm a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed series. We kind of keep going back to this game series. I loved the original few. I love the Ezio tri- uh, trilogy. 
I love Black Flag, all those. The last one I played was Origins, which Origins was the first one in the in the new series of the new revamped Assassin's Creed. Origins took it too far. There's too much. There's so much that my anxiety about it overrode my ADHD to where I just, I beat the game and I quit. I turned it off. So I couldn't look at the map anymore and I forgot about it. It's funny you say that considering Origins is pretty consistently like in the top three Assassin's Creed games for most it's, people phenomenal i think a lot of it has to do with the the time period too egypt just really pulls people in and this is a game that you can literally go into the pyramids and do all this really cool shit in and that that's a fantasy for a lot of people yeah diving into that world and they did a great job on that absolutely but that does not take away or add from the fact that there were too many fucking collectibles yeah, and that's and that's how the other two are. It's just there's all. It's not just about getting a couple chests here and there. It's mm. about collecting all the gear, collecting all the weapons, and now there's events that you have to go collect, and yeah, you I have to figure that. all that stuff out. And then there's and then on top of that, some of those collectibles lead you to treasure maps that you now have to do, and then now now it's a chain of things that you have to go do, and it it definitely is can be, and that's what's taken me so long to play Valhalla is I could have beaten this game in three days max, even with my limited playtime, but it's taking me three weeks because I am getting every one of those goddamn glowing circles on my mm-hmm. fucking map because mm-hmm. I gotta. And well, I mean, now, I, I gotta. Now we're getting into an interesting concept here. Are video games on fun because of the content created by the video game? Well, let's, let's take a step back first. Right now, we're kind of getting onto the bro- to the, the broader idea, right? I, right? I'm not quite done with indie games yet. I've got one question left. Yes. Um, so talking about indie games, I just brought up, you know, when there's so much shit that enters onto, you know, any marketplace under the sun and you have to wade through it and the AAA titles are few and far between compared. There's all of that. But while asking a question about whether, first of all, Indie games would be to blame if video games are unfun, but just in general, whether they are unfun at this point or not, when you're flipping through these indie titles, a lot of them have a very high player count, especially the ones, you know, at the beginning of the list when you start to flip through them. Could it just be that either A, tastes are changing, especially of older gamers, or could it be, you know, that, People are just lumping a lot of these titles into this group, whereas a lot of them could legitimately be really fucking good, despite looking like a throwaway asset flip. And we just won't give them a chance. I definitely would say that there's a lot of games that if I don't like what the screenshots look like, or the, I won't even give it a try. It, yeah. it looks like a good idea. And then that you ha- you'll have the opposite where the game looks beautiful, but the actual game is garbage. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fucking escape from Tarkov. That's been an issue anyway. forever. Um, Absolutely. So I mean, just think about for each of the ones that we haven't tried that we haven't downloaded, and you can't really blame us because there's so much stuff that it would just be impossible anyway. But you know, <laughs> for tried. every for every one Valheim, what if there were more that we just didn't try and it's just we're we're not trying it for the sake of generalizing that we're not having fun with video games or just because maybe we're so jaded at this point that it's not even worth trying i would definitely say so and it's probably goes back to the stigma that i slightly have against indie games before i even realized how many i'd been playing yeah there's like there's a there's a tactical strategy game that it keeps getting suggested to me but the icons are just <laughs> players fa- like your character's faces 
instead yeah. of an actual person walking around and it it could be a lot of fun but i just haven't given it a chance you were playing that one game where the um the characters were like paper standing up and you had a lot of fun with it and you said like the characters um had like backstories that you went through and i forget the name of it but you talking just, about me yeah you were they like when the characters are in combat they were like 2d but it was like on a 3d plane oh um, oh that was that wasn't an indie game that was uh that was a square enix big game that was um fuck it's um god <laughs> Damn it! It's too. Holy derailed in the entire podcast well, the, episode. Yeah. We, we can edit between him figuring out what the game is and us fi- me Don't asking. Say the word. Octopath the Traveler. It was Octopath. Podcast. It was Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler. There it is. But that was There's that Octopath. was a Square Enix full ass game. That wasn't so, an indie game. But so I get your point. That, but you get my point of with when I looked at the pictures of it and I saw that that was the graphics they chose and the art style, I didn't even give it a shot because I didn't like the art style, even well, though it was an amazing game. I think that, that that Octopath Traveler, in my opinion, please shut me up if I'm wrong, that game came out with those graphics because of the continued popularity of indie titles. I think that's I probably that. part of it. I want to say that a good a good chunk of it might be inspiration from like older RPGs and potentially wanting to come out with something that is just different. Uh, however, kind of touching on that, you know, pixel esque RPG, that two D sprite, you know, fucking Game Boy Advance esque game, like that that genre. I don't even know if that's the, the style, mm-hmm. that style of game. There are so many of those that have gotten big over the last couple years that I have just not given a chance whatsoever because I'm so tired of seeing so many games that look like they're made in like RPG Maker. And so many of them (laughs) are. And that shouldn't be any indicator that they're bad because like I remember years ago to the moon Mm -hmm. broke people's hearts. Fantastic game. That movie. I just called it a movie. Oh my God. (laughs) The game's incredible. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. And like, and fucking um, Deltarune and um, the first one, fucking Undertale. How did? Oh yeah, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. Oh, for that on like the internet. Stardew Valley. Yeah, and, and it's and, and they're so good, and it shouldn't yeah. be an indicator. But the thing is, is because so many people have tried and failed to make games in like RPG Maker and in that style. I just, I don't even know if I can afford to give them a chance. Like there are so because if I give this one a chance and I'm going to give this other one a chance and that one's probably going to fucking suck. Well, I don't don't know, man. It's just to me without making any sort of a comment on what that actually means for these games. I will say that when I see them in my steam list, more often than not, I won't even click on them for one reason or another. Do you think their creation and their popularity on the computer is to the fact that people don't play Game Boys anymore? Because that I don't. Do those even exist anymore? Does people play <laughs> Game Boys? Like I know there's the, the Switch came out, but that's basically like, like that's basically the Game Boy being okay. Now we're a computer. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. Computer. People still play the Game Boy, but <laughs> nobody's producing cartridges for the Game Boy anymore. I'm a Game so, Boy. <laughs> I'm a Game Boy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Game there Boy. Is. Good job, Sully. You know, I'm a Game Boy. <laughs> Woo! Nobody produces those cartridges anymore, obviously. 
Yeah. So, but there is still a market for it. And I'll come back to what I originally said a few minutes ago. These things wouldn't be happening without the fucking continued popularity of indie titles. Mm. True. And I think nobody I think, would take that risk. Well, so we've we've gone through a like a transition in, and this takes us back to what is considered indie, but we've mm. gone through a transition in in the feeling surrounding indie games, even back in the day. Indie games used to be few and far between. You guys remember that. Absolutely. Um, because only very recently in the last couple of years have indie games become the norm. So yeah. when I say you guys, I mean you two. And I know mm-hmm. you know because you are older than me that you know. Like there's just back then indie games were, I mean, I think the bar a, was higher, but it was also much harder. That wasn't a term we used. Yeah, they didn't, they, and they nobody basically knew what didn't an indie game was because they didn't exist. Yeah, like it was. I don't. It was. I was people were evil. Sorry, continue. I was. I was about to say. I think it was like twenty two thousand six, two thousand seven, before I even understood that indie games even existed, and when they first started coming out, like I don't know the actual timeline, mm-hmm. but until then. Like the thought of it never even like you got a, it was in the store. It was a big box and it only was released by companies who could afford to make the production. And now that it's just a, it's information on the internet that you just have to download. It's available, but you couldn't afford to make an indie game because you had to produce the CD and take it to stores and pick it up. Mm -hmm. And I'll bring this up and I don't want it to be a, a huge topic of this specific episode, but we are in an information age where things are more readily accessible. Okay. When we were playing games, when we were kids, games did not come out digitally. They were pieces that we went and purchased, even PC games. We went and bought the box. And when I purchased all discs, right. When <laughs> I went and bought world of Warcraft for the first time, it was at fucking target or some yep. shit. And I bought the box and I put the disc in a CD drive yep. that you don't even put in your fucking seat. You don't even put that in your computer anymore. <laughs> so there wasn't what the fuck to CD drive what the fuck? <laughs> you just don't it's not it's it, it it wasn't a thing it wasn't and now we have steam and we have we have the you know, online nintendo store we have you know playstation the playstation store whatever that the hell that's you don't called even now. need cartridges for your freaking game boy switch thing Ooh, now anymore cartridges. yeah what's a cartridge yeah well, so anyway, talking about, I mean, so right, things have aligned in such a way that we're getting more of them and all that. But there was a period when they started coming out, right? Like, like 20, fuck, I don't even know, like 2008, 2005, 2008, maybe kind of like the Xbox Live Arcade was kind of close. But um, I mean, we got shit like Braid, Castle Crashers, fucking, mm-hmm. um, and as time went on, we got like Super Meat Boy, Limbo, Fez, and they were fucking great. And that was all pre-2013. And back then, I think people really, really wanted to see the indie market blow up. Just because this idea of having the freedom to tell your own stories and make your own games was such an appealing idea. And now, fast forward, some the, some of those same people are like, wait a minute, letting these people tell their stories was a fucking mistake. And I'm kind of one of them. There's so many... Like shovelware titles that are that are fucking piled high in the store. It's it's a weird transition that we've made from back then when the indie titles were were great. I mean, you had people that like were like the video game hipsters that were like, oh, I just play indie titles. I, I remember the people that fucking literally just played Castle Crashers all the time, and that was just. I remember their making thing. fun of them. Yeah, 
Okay, well, listen, I had a lot of fucking fun with Castle Crashers. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, oh, man. But, these um, but, and that brings up a greater issue, I think. And when those games were coming out, they were different. They were breaking the mold. Uh, and now that we're getting these games that meet every niche ever, but most of them are quick games, is it just that the bar is so much higher now? Um, I mean, in these AAA titles, we've kind of hit a wall. Graphics have stopped getting cr like crazy good anymore. Like they're already crazy good. We've seen it, but they're not going any further. We've got all these different things that used to be a myth in the gaming world that are just that have been done. They're easy now. They're all the different thing. They're just different stories. And so is it because the bar's higher? Is that why? Like, especially for indie titles? You can't really do like an indie title that someone hasn't done already in some way. Well, I think with any sort of any sort of industry that's similar, you know, inter, inter, entertainment industry, you can't have the the good without the bad if you're going to have a freer market with creativity. Like, yeah. I think that indie games came out because people got sick of. I mean, it's capitalism, right? It's I got sick of the these big guys making bad games and making a bunch of money so we're gonna make up we're gonna break off we're gonna make our own studio it's me and three dudes you know it's the hoodlums it's us three we're gonna make a video game it's gonna be awesome oh man i hope we make a video game. and <laughs> and with that we find success we create a video game and people go oh shit if they did it i can do it and then steam comes out and now anybody who's anybody with a computer and a half-assed attempted a degree at some sort of computer programming can whip a video game out and you yep. can't have you can't have the good stuff without the trash you just can't you can't filter that you you just kind of have to deal with it and maybe that's why we hate it so much and maybe that's why you, you that's kind of what you're leading at well, is a little that bit, there's no way to filter it freaking so chat roulette even, all over again even beyond <laughs> even beyond the dicks in the cameras of chat roulette and oh. all these bad games being in the store Rest in uh, peace. The, <laughs> the, the greater point that I'm trying to make here, uh, considering that we already kind of talked about it seeming oversaturated, shit like that. The greater point I'm having is maybe the reason that we aren't liking games in general, but specifically some of these indie titles, uh, or especially some of these indie titles, is because we've seen it all. And I don't want to say we've seen it all because that's sad and everything creative in me hurts when I say that. But we've seen everything that is even hard to do, like kind of like today, coming up with a new idea that no one's ever seen before. So many people have had new ideas that the amount of new ideas are just getting smaller every day. Is there a difference between we've seen it all and we're hard to impress? See, I think the hard to impress also uh, travels back to choice. There's a like there's an actual study behind given the amount of choice that you have can actually measure the amount of happiness you can have. If you're given too many options and you're given too many choices to decide how you're going to spend your time and your money, the choice that you make will be less satisfying because of the opportunity cost available. There's so many other options of did I make the right choice? Am I enjoying this because there might be something better? Or when you know there's something better, you, you are guaranteed with how many options are available, there has to be something better. I'm not having fun with this because I know those seven other games I looked at are probably better than this, or those seven other games I have played are better than this. 
So, and, and I think uh, that, that they go together with the, the bar being raised, with the amount of things available, the amount of choices we have. I, I think it's all just this culmination that makes it difficult to please people. I mean, you just straight up gave me anxiety. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I've talked on this a lot over the past couple of years of our friendship, and I, I get a lot of anxiety with how many things I enjoy. You know, I'll, I'll, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch TV shows. It's hard for me to sit down. You guys will be like, you guys need to watch this. Nate, you need to watch this. And I'll like, I'm like, no, I can't fucking do it. Because if I sink alone, I'm going to fucking bully me. Listen, I don't need to be called out like that, okay? It's not funny. I can't focus on a TV show. Oh, there it is. Yep. Listen, fuck you, studio audience, okay? I don't need your goddamn shit. I don't need your shit. Gotta cry. Um, anyway. I can't set aside that much time for something because I'm, I feel like I'm missing out on other things. Got it's, that promo. I have too many. <laughs> it's too, there's too many other things that I enjoy doing. Like it's part of the reason why I've kind of stepped a little bit away from destiny for the past couple weeks, which we've talked about is like, I am missing out on other things. There's other video games and there's other, there's a movie that just came out that I haven't seen, or there's this, there's that. Um, it's it's ADHD. It's like I, I got to be doing 1700 things at once to get myself happy because I don't want to miss out on anything. So, yeah, I mean, there is. Are, well, are there are there too many video games? Definitely. That's that's I think that's a driving point is that is the. Ultimate thing behind all of our arguments of why we think things have not been as fun is because there's the bars changed on what we expect the there's no more original content because it's all been done before there's too many choices so that when we make a choice we're then left with the opportunity cost question of did i make the right choice what was the next best thing and should i have done that instead and it's it all comes down to there's an overabundance and availability that it is so difficult to be satisfied with the choice that we make. And the biggest thing that has made us satisfied with the choices we make, uh, when I say us, I mean us three, is that we're doing it together. I only really get that feeling when I'm making the choices by myself and I'm choosing to do this one thing. And then I see that in our Discord community that there's all these other games people are playing and games that I think are shit and... Maybe this person is just dumb for playing this shit game, or maybe it's actually a good game and I'm an idiot. Like, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> oh, I'm almost there. Keep going. Um, What's he talking about? What are you talking about, Kyle? What do you mean? I'm going to come. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to swing. But it, no, it he's, he's going to make it keep going. He's going to make it. Nope. There it is. Continue. There it is. But I think it all comes down to it. We've, we're overwhelmed with how much availability there is. And it's one of those things where are we ready for the technology of having everything at our fingertips and everything available and everyone being able to create with all of these things that um, these tools that are available, like the RPG Maker. Like I'd never mm -hmm. really understood the existence of RPG Maker, but then when I look at all these games, I it looks the exact same. Mm-hmm. 
and they're just different stories. And, and, and I'm also aware that even when you're going to school, like there's literal college courses for game design. Mm-hmm. And during those courses, people are making games and that's awesome. And they're things that these people should be proud of in the process of learning how to make the games. But I feel like a lot of these games that are being published for sale are that quality instead of being pushed farther into becoming a professional game and a professional level. So I'll be honest, this is kind of a hard question to answer. Um, as someone that really enjoys most and pretty much anything creative, I feel like putting any sort of limit like that on a creative outlet or avenue is dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. I think, I think that people, if they want to, should be allowed to create. They should be allowed to tell stories. Mm-hmm. They should be allowed to, you know, fucking do whatever they want to do and put their heart into it. Um, however, there are some exceptions. Um, for example, I mean, there are so many fucking cheap, dumb asset flips. And I've said that a bunch of times for those of you that aren't up to date on, I guess, uh, game dev stuff, uh, in the know, maybe I should say, uh, an asset flip is where someone essentially just buys a bunch of assets off of an online store, throws them lazily together in a game with minimal gameplay whatsoever, and then tries to sell it to people. There are so many of those that just get put out for the sake of money. So many projects that don't necessarily bring anything to an experience are put on the internet. And I think part of it might be that the system we have is flawed. I I don't think the problem is so much that we have so many games. I think it's a problem to do with curation of those. Pretty much anything can go up on Steam, right? Anything from the shitty little RPG Maker games to AAA titles to weird, expensive sex games, right? Hey. And Steam didn't used to be that. (laughs) Steam didn't used to be this way, is the thing. Um, So Steam didn't used to be this way, right? It used to be way harder to get on Steam. You had to go through the green light process. You had to get a bunch of shit done and you had to prove that you really wanted your work to be out there. Whereas games that might have taken a little bit less time or that weren't able to get on Steam for any reason, those were up on like itch.io or, you know, even going back as far as like Newgrounds, fucking rest. Well, I guess it's not dead, but like porn games it's essentially dead. They did. That's some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I think back then the system worked better and it feels weird to say that that these stories should have to fight their way into the spotlight but they kind of should right uh kind of trial by combat type beat right and if, if a game really is great and it manages to blow up then yeah it should deserve that um but if i'm going for a place to look for a game to play like steam and i'm scrolling through top new played if i have to scroll through 20 good titles i'm probably more likely in that case to buy anything than if i scrolled through you know 50 shitty titles yeah even if the 20 good titles are just good they're not great honestly when i I mean i get halfway through all the shitty ones and then i just stop looking and i think it's a problem on part of of the system but maybe that's me i don't know no i would agree with that and i was going to bring up a point i will here in a second Honestly, when I scroll through the most popular or most played recently, I want to punch myself in the face. (laughs) Some of the shit that people play. And here's the thing. It's we we can all agree video game creating a video game or video games in general is an art form. 
in, in its purest form it is it's it's we, you're creating art something to be enjoyed it's entertainment it's it's it, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing but i i can't through for some of these games you know i just i just can't do it kind of like what sully was saying but the question that i was going to bring up especially to kyle we have scrolled through steam for years now and we have found nothing not nothing but it feels like nothing mostly nothing honestly most of the games that i end up finding and playing aren't even the ones i find while i'm scrolling most of the games i end up getting really into are the ones that are fucking that i hear from word of mouth or someplace else you know twitter or whatever right is are we the problem i think there's a I think there's a good chance we we kind of touched on it before more people than ever are playing video games and there's a lot mm. that goes into that. Some could say, you know, the fucking quarantine and COVID and all that stuff mm, sure has really raised the amount of gamers and such, but even before COVID more people right. than ever are gamers. And a lot of that has to do with some cultural stuff. And there are Very a good amount of people so. that play video games because it's a cool thing to do now. And I'm not here to make any sort of comment on that. It, I'm not going to get all jaded about it. Uh, Topic but, for another day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with so many people gaming, does that mean that games are better than ever? I think they are. In a lot of cases, I think I think at the upper echelon of games, when they hit that quality, they are better than ever. And I think even some mid games that just aren't great are better than games have ever been. That's a f- philosophical question you're dabbling in. Yeah, maybe a and little bit. I, I think there's, it's also, you have to categorize what is better and how it's better. Like I feel like challenges and secrets and puzzles have all gotten better because we all know that there's a treasure chest behind the waterfall now. Like yeah. that's just a thing. And I remember playing my first game where that happened. And then, I played um, like the game Risen, I believe it was that it felt like it was made in the 90s, but it really wasn't that old or whatever. And they had that in there still. And then nowadays, if you go look and they don't do that anymore, if they do, there's not it's not just behind the waterfall. Now there's a challenge behind it or you got to go find something to blow up the wall behind the waterfall or. I feel like there's definitely a lot more thought process through the challenges because we've grown as creators and players that we we know all these tropes we know all the little secrets and where to look and how everything should be designed and so i think the increase increase in challenge and increase of um time required to complete something is definitely there so you're getting more for your money as far as time investment for a lot of these games now because it's not it's not just easier it's not just a, a trope of oh there it is but then you have the hand-holding aspects that they've added to some of these games. Like, for example, if we want to go back to Assassin's Creed, the original and uh, what we have now where the map is littered, but in the original, it, it did have those marks, but they weren't as obvious or they weren't as not everything was on the map. You still had to go looking. You still had to go find things on your own. It wasn't just, okay, here it is on the map. Now you can click now you can click that on the map and now it's going to show you an arrow of how to get to it instead of you figuring out how to get there and mm-hmm. I have to give Ubisoft a little bit of credit that they actually created a game mode where that's not the case yeah. when you when you actually go to play the game you're given the option of do you want to play it where everything is just handheld to you or do you want to play it where you have to read things and follow the clues and figuring it out on your own Well let's be honest here though that in itself 
is a is a big part of the question. I mean, is that so with not taking into account that game mode you're just talking about with all these things with handhelding, handhelding with handholding with anything from like mini maps with waypoints that are automatically placed to in some games, even, you know, auto run, auto travel, all that stuff. Is that an improvement? I I think it, it depends per person. I think some people definitely prefer it, especially more casual gamers that don't want to put so much time into figuring stuff out because of, you know, maybe that is the key point right there is the yeah. casual gamer who doesn't have the time. And I've had times in my life where I couldn't play video games more than two hours a day at most. And that's yeah. if I had that availability and I wouldn't be able to enjoy the games where like Red Dead Redemption, I can't play that game because I don't have the time <laughs> to sit down and play yeah. it and remember where I was, what I was doing. I, I own it on both my computer and my <laughs> PlayStation because I really wanted to play it, yeah. but I just don't have the time to invest to yeah. really get into it. So and, like, that's yeah. absolutely asinine that you do not have the time to play that game, but you have time to play Valhalla. Well, <laughs> that's the thing is Valhalla, I can literally pick up. It, it's, it's easier because I don't... Ha- when I played Red Dead Redemption, I felt like I when I went to go hunt something or I went to go on this thing, it, it legitimately took me like 45 minutes to do one thing. And when I when I'm playing Valhalla, I, it's not that at all. It's it takes me. I can before I go to work for 15 minutes, jump in and get two or three things done, and then log off like nothing happened. Okay. And it, it's I, that's where I feel like there's a there's definitely some, and that's only on some of these games. Like when you want total immersion and you really get into that, you want to see those uh, horse testicles shrink up when you oh go into the snow. Oh my god! Thank that's, God. <laughs> That's that is a and that's something that I think is great and I think should exist. But I definitely think there should be um, more games that have those options of I want to be immersed. I want to spend eight hours playing this game and really just I want to be a fucking cowboy. But if I only have an hour to play, I would at least like to get into the story and not have to fight and do math and do all these things just to get this really cool story and cut some people's heads off. (laughs) <laughs> so hell yeah i think there's there's a happy balance and i think that ubisoft definitely took a very good step towards having both options yeah and that should good. be more common i unfortunately I think, think that they traded that because they're i think you and i can both agree they've they've butchered their stories true well i mean I that's a whole other discussion yeah that's a whole nother discussion that's, well, that's just well okay so um, a lot of people agree that the newer Assassin's Creed stories are really good. They are good. Don't get me wrong. They are good. They're not nearly as good as they used to be. They could be told more, more pers- So their stories are not, they're, they're great storylines. I love the one in Valhalla specifically because it takes you on a roller coaster. Yeah. But I feel like there's so much filler instead of just focusing on the story that, I would say at least 80% of your game time is working on filler, not the main story. Right. And I think that leads into a greater problem that probably does lend itself to the idea that in some ways games are worse. And that is that some games are made to meet a quota, whether that be, you know, a money quota or a playtime quota. Um, I mean, nowadays, if, if you make a game that's totally story oriented and, uh, you know, it takes four hours to complete, you're going to get fucking raised on the internet about it. Even if it's yeah. an incredible story. And no one would say that about a movie or anything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you know, the thing is, is, you know, if they add a bunch of fucking filler missions in there to, to make the game time longer, it doesn't seem quite as bad to start, even though it does definitely hurt the narrative of the game. Um, I think these expectations, especially ones put in place by some of these bigger game studios are making games in some ways worse, um, in that regard. And, you know, as well as in the, uh, in regards to psychology of play. I think they're trying to pull people back in a lot specifically because they've got things like microtransactions, like loot boxes. I mean, loot boxes are microtransactions, fucking whatever. Um, Just all this shit that didn't used to correlate to more money, Um, like, you know, in game time. But now the longer you're playing, the more you're thinking about buying your fucking V bucks. Uh, So that's definitely worse. Um, But some of these games though are just so focused on being so masterful at what they want to accomplish just looking back you know fucking god of war persona 5 i mean in some ways uh well not really assassin's creed valhalla but it's there are games that get it right it's just so many of them have regressed just for the sake of money and it's it's pretty gross so i i mean i don't know what are some other things that make games legitimately worse nowadays are there well, any more we're diving into a topic that I was wondering if we were going to come around to, and it's the fact that anything that was ever created for entertainment purposes was only created to create money. I mean, it, it, it to produce money. I mean, it's it's made to make money, right? That's why video games make are made. That's why movies are made. Somebody needs to get paid, right? It just most people, and I don't want to. I can't say most people. Most people who are my age. We're older, a little bit older than you two, who look at video games like Fortnite or Call of Duty or anything where there is a paid feature where you have to pay for skins or pay for anything. You know, we've heard the phrase pay to win, pay for fun, whatever. The advent, the introduction of that into video games has caused what most people would agree the downfall of video games. Do you agree? No, absolutely not. I think I think no matter what, any sort of art form that can be profited from is going to have bad actors. I think sometimes it's going to cause the fall of, you know, studios and devs that could have been legitimately really fucking good. Um, I wouldn't say microtransactions always hurt a game experience. I know I'm a part of, I mean, well, I'm the youngest one here. Maybe that says something about it, but I really enjoy being able to buy cosmetics for my character. And sure, I mean, there's an argument to be made that uh, fucking I should be able to earn those cosmetics. But thing is, especially with some of these games that are made by smaller teams or, you know, smaller studios that don't have the kind of funding, microtransactions are a great way to help support that game. Uh, For example, we'll, we'll talk about Splitgate. Even though they just made all that money from investors and such to help continue developing their already great game, I think it's really cool to be able to give them money for a product that they made, knowing, hey, I'm helping the dev team, I'm helping the game, and I also get some cool shit to wear while I'm doing it. Or in the case of Fortnite, I mean, oh my god. In the case of Fortnite, Epic doesn't need any more money, right? (laughs) But it's always really cool to be able to dress my character up. It's cool shit. I get enjoyment out of that. That's just it. Or like Valorant. Like they don't fucking need more money. That's for sure. And yet yeah. I'm still going to buy a $70 gun pack, which is ludicrous in itself, by the way. No fucking thing should ever be that expensive. But Ooh. regardless, 
that's another topic for another time. But gun skins are cool. They do cool shit. Yeah. And a lot of times that's, teams work really hard all, on them. That's all cosmetics, though. I think yeah. uh, one of the points is um, being able to buy upgrades that makes the game like oh, you pay to win better. Is gross. At, yeah. yeah, pay to win, definitely. I think that's I, gross for sure. But if it's just cosmetic, fuck yeah, I'm in for it. And I mean, I guess the question becomes microtransactions do not add anything to a game experience. And if anything, they act as an opportunity to take money, more money from consumers. But if they make people happy, does that mean they're still bad? If they improve the player experience, if I walk away and do a survey tomorrow and say, hey, you know what? Buying skins in Fortnite made me enjoy my experience more. Is, does that excuse it? I think it, it, there's a chance that in an, in and of itself, no. But there are ways of making things like that addictive or making it where like limited time sales yeah. and stuff like that, where they're like, I get that there that's a way of getting more purchases. And even games like Destiny do this where it's yeah, all the time. It's this is a $10 thing. But if you only give us $9, we'll let you have it now. <laughs> and that kind I of literally stuff, just today. Put ten dollars into Destiny to buy the little emote where you're riding on the fucking on the little quarter machine outside the store. Yeah, it was it was a thousand silver and it was on sale for nine hundred and I fucking bought it immediately. And see, that's where <laughs> I feel that that's when it gets dangerous is when it's on sale because if it was not on sale, would you have bought it? No, absolutely not. Even though it was already not, you still paid ninety percent of what it was worth. Yeah, and that's that's where I don't like. Because that starts getting a little bit predatory of everyone's looking for that little excuse and not a reason or whatever to justify that purchase. And that little just having that little mark through the original price and having it a little bit lower, that is just marketing 101. Take advantage of the psychology of how human nature works and get them to like, you'll go broke saving money. And they're going to do that if they can. And I, I feel like that's where it gets bad. I, yeah. I have no problem with them selling things, but don't try and like tease me a little bit with, oh, come on, you know, you want it. I, <laughs> well, that's, well, well, that's why I'll give in, you the first one for free. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's why every time you go into any of these big live service games, you see the store, instead of letting you just flip through all the shit in the store, it shows you some of the coolest shit. That's only there for a little bit of time until it rotates out for the next 24 hour period, you know, mm -hmm. or those little deals, like you said, that are like, oh, just five or 10 percent off. But hey, look, it's right here. It's got a discount on it. It's all yours. Yeah, it's I think it's definitely kind of gross. I saw I'll still fall for it. I'll still keep. Falling well, yeah, for it. it works. They do it for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I, need... I literally know it exists and I'll still <laughs> do it, which is the dumbest thing about it. I'm fucking stupid. But like <laughs> it's it's there. I think that's bad. I think that's overall bad for the industry, but oh, I will most definitely continue to keep buying my fucking Fortnite skins. <laughs> that's all I have to say on the matter. Do you guys think that games are unfun now? I'm going to go with no. They are not unfun. I still enjoy them because I'm still fucking playing them way too goddamn much. I, there's something to be said about that being addiction as opposed to actual enjoyment, however. Oh, shit. And that is something that I have focused 
pretty heavily on recently because I've been doing a lot of soul searching about it. Get, get called out, Sully, you fucking addict. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh supposed God. to be his intervention, not of mine. <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, oh yeah, God. you're still having fun with them. What about you, Fox? Um, Let me go last. Kyle, what do you think? I think, yeah, games are still fun. I think they're not all fun. I think it's kind of hard to give a blanket statement like that. Are games better now than they were? In a lot of ways, yeah. I think some games have kind of regressed in terms of game mechanics, in mm. terms of overall fun. I think sometimes they overcomplicate it, blah, blah, blah. That's all further than I want to go right now. But yeah, I think in general, games are better than they were. I think there's a lot of fun fucking games. Not all of them are fun. There are way more unfun games than there are fun games. But... I mean, I've had a shit ton of fun with the ones that I've been playing recently. I've got a couple more that I've been meaning to get into that are going to be got into as soon as I finish the ones I'm working on. And I've heard good things and I hope they're good, too. And yeah, I, th- I think they are. I think they're fun still. I-, I think most factors that would make me say they're unfun beyond some of the stuff we talked about tonight would probably have more to say about me than they do about the games. So, yeah. And I think that's a good point. I think that the answer to this question, I mean, we can't answer this question, right? Yeah. It's just a perspective. It's a whole matter of perspective. It's, you know, to this individual person, are they unfun or, are, or aren't they? Or are they becoming unfun? Like the question, you know, is asking, are they becoming worse than, than they used to be? And that is 100% a manner, manner, uh, matter of perspective. <laughs> it's, I would say that, you know, growing up as a kid, as games were released fewer and far further between, um, most of those titles as they came out were better because yep. each one of them was good in its own way. There was, you know, maybe one or two games that came out a week and that Tuesday, you know, you'd run to Blockbuster, you'd run to wherever, you'd rent it, you'd go purchase it, you'd go stand in line oh, at the mall. Games. Um, you'd go, go to Best Buy and stand out in the cold be, to pick up your pre-order and that was it. That's what we had and those games were fantastic. And... Now they're churned out every day. I mean, go on Steam and look at the new releases for the day. There's 10 to 12 every day. And no, most of them are terrible. That doesn't mean that there's no good games. It's just we're exposed now to more garbage. Oh, yeah. And so it's hard for me to say games are becoming unfun because, yeah, like Sully said, I am still having fun with games. I'm just having a harder time finding them. Yep. And I think that was something that it was really the theme of this episode is. Yeah, they're harder to find. They really are. It's hard wading through the trash and finding the games. And I will say that I really wanted to answer this question. Yes, that they are becoming unfun because I feel. Very, very attached when a game, a new AAA title comes out that I just absolutely hate. And <laughs> a AAA title comes out and it's unfinished. I mean, I will never for the end of my days forget 50 years from now, Kyle, if we're still friends and we're talking about when you played cyberpunk <laughs> live on screen and your gun morphed through that character's head in one of the most pivotal scenes in a story driven RPG literally ruined the whole story for me, literally ruined the whole. I watched the light, leave your <laughs> eyes on live television. I was laughing my dick off. <laughs> But you literally, it ruined it for you. And I know you pretty well. I knew it ruined it for you. 
and it broke my heart because I was so excited for for Cyberpunk. Yeah, I never refunded it. I still own it. I still have every intention of playing it. In fact, I put 50 hours into the game. I haven't beaten it yet, but it's it, it's terrible. And to me, that makes it unfun. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean that I can't I turn myself for it. What's that? Ugh, I put 400 fucking, hours into it. You, I, 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 sick. you, you have can. a fucking problem. <laughs> you need, whose intervention is this? I need you to fucking look inward and I need you to read some of the fucking Bible tonight. <laughs> it hurts when I touch it, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. Y'all motherfuckers <laughs> need Jesus. Okay. <laughs> it's just. I can't. That wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. It just wouldn't have. Oh, no. Um, it wouldn't happen 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, probably would have. It could have. It probably did. Um, but it, it, it's ruining the medium for me a little bit in that I can't I feel like sometimes I can't trust anything. It's just it's 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 upsetting. And, and you know, this is coming from somebody who tends to take things personally. And it's hard for me to look beyond those things. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can look, look beyond that and look past that and turn that, that part of your brain off and go find something else because there are plenty of games coming out that are just wonderful. I don't even know if I'd say plenty. I would just say that there are games coming out that are wonderful. I think <laughs> I think there's definitely... Well, uh, there are games that are wonderful that you won't play and there are games that are wonderful that I won't play. Oh, well, yeah. You know, and that, that's, that's going to be true for anybody. So there are wonderful games out there. You just got to find the right ones for you. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to take a little break. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy some tunes. We'll be right back with something different. Thanks, Bob Rash. Welcome back to the first episode of Hoodlums. We've had a great time so far, and we hope you are as well. I'd like to introduce a segment that we'd like to start doing here called Show and Tell. Each week, if we can help it, each person will rotate on bringing something cool to tell everybody about. And we'll talk about it for a little bit and just generally have a good time. Today, Sully brought idioms and origins for the class. Sully, please stand up. Give us your talk. Well, I'm Sully. If you don't already know that, then shame on you. You've been here for two hours. Um, so little fun fact about me is I like fun facts. I like little pieces of information and my Ooh. friends will... <laughs> All, yeah, my, my friends will always learn little random things that they probably would have never cared about until I decided to tell them oh, about Kyle, it. Kyle, do you have a snooze? Some sort of like sleeping or zzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
you'd think more obvious meanings when they actually don't. And then we have pop culture that will fuck with the actual meanings of them and confuse us on what they're actually from. And one of my most common ones that I heard of was raining cats and dogs. Um, And the most ridiculous thought from one of the dumbest radio DJs I've ever known legitimately thought it had to do with Odin and the oh. animals that represent him and because he's the storm god and all this other shit. And so you'd think that with all the Marvel stuff coming on, you'd at least guess that it was maybe Thor. But the reality of it is, is it has nothing to do with any gods at all whatsoever. Um, it actually has to do with an, a 16th century writer um, that goes by the name of Harvey, Gabriel Harvey. And he basically wrote that instead of thunderbolts outside, it shooteth nothing but dog bolts and cat bolts. And back then, bolts were a very common uh, use for machines and building things. And a dog bolt was basically a, um, a bolt that was used to secure hinges for like gates and doors. Like you still see them today. Those pins that you drop and hinges that you can take out to remove a door, that's yeah. basically a dog bolt. And then cat bolts are just special bolts that were used specifically to put um, pieces of wood together. So he was basically saying it sounds like there's literally bolts of metal dropping on the ground. And that's why it sounds like cats and dogs, because cat bolts, dog bolts. So what you're telling me is this dude made a fire fucking pun. And we're still using it 400 years later. well, Well, that, but also somewhere along the line, we took the joke got rid of the funny part and just left it and just said, yeah. ah, cats and dogs are fine. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that's yeah, that basically feels like every idiom ever, right? Basically there's actually a few of these that, um, have multiple meanings, but only, but I go back to the original meanings of, of what they're from. Like, um, and we'll get into some of those later, but one of my favorite ones is bury your head in the sand is another similar one where that that's from a Roman writer who, when he first looked upon ostriches, he thought that they were sticking their head in their sand. So bury your head in the sand. He thought that that was something that ostriches did in order to um, hide from predators. And most people still think to this day that that is what ostriches do, and they fucking don't. Wait, they is it run not? A- no. When ostriches <laughs> are scared, they either run away because they're fast as fuck, boy. They run <laughs> super fast. They also, yeah, they also just play dead. They're known to play dead as well if they don't think that they can outrun their, th- their predator or if the predator's too close. They'll just get startled and their immediate reaction is to play dead. You so, told me that Looney Tunes episode was lying to me this entire yep, time? That entire time, thanks to a Roman writer. Since the days of Rome, this has been an issue that people still to this day think ostriches bury their head in the sand. But it's, it's I quite, absolutely, yeah. I literally thought I, yeah, I do. No, still, it's not. They, yeah, well, now I know. I'm gonna but, after this is episodes over. Yeah, well, first of all, it's not common in the places that ostriches live for there to be sand. That's oh, just that, not something. You know that, what? That's fucking fair. Yeah, that that's that's another big thing. And the the ostrich he was witnessing was probably just fucking eating. That's like off the ground. Or maybe he just it, found a weird fucking ostrich down in, in fucking Rome or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just dumb. And so we and still to this day, people have that belief. And it's thanks to modern stuff like cartoons that people still believe that that's the case. And mm, that's but, fair. 
I mean, yeah. imagine all the cartoons, especially the older ones, that would literally have a joke about raining cats and dogs. Yep. I mean, at and that point, it almost becomes a reference to that and totally, uh, like, transcends the initial meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And the original meaning makes complete sense if you actually think about it. And then yeah. we now have the, and the one that we have nowadays means nothing. <laughs> There's no way it could mean anything. It's oh, just, yeah. And, it's literally, uh, it's especially raining cats and dogs. Like, it's literally, it doesn't change the context at all. You could just mm-hmm. say it's raining. And it's yeah. just rain. cats. I mean, cats and dogs, like I, I've seen some people use it to mean like, wow, it's raining really hard outside. But why in it, the fuck would you? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And one of my favorite stupid jokes that I learned when I was a kid was, how do you know it's raining cats and dogs outside when there's poodles on the ground? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to bring up how dumb it was that that radio host dude thought it was it had something to do with like like gods and shit. Yeah. But what you just said is worse. Oh, well, that I, I am known for those things as well. So I have actually a question for y'all and I would love to uh, I, w- I would love to see where your uh, sure, what's up, thought Spicy? process goes. What do the two idioms saved by the bell and blow smoke up my ass have in common? <laughs> Oh my god. Um they have a very key point of saved what? by the bell and, and blow smoke, smoke up my ass. I actually think I know. They were both created by Candace. What? <laughs> As in Candace dick fit in your mouth. <laughs> You're the word. <laughs> any any serious answer? <laughs> you for taking my punchline <laughs> you didn't say it i was waiting <laughs> fucking crap okay i um so the only the only inkling i would have is like saved by the bell obviously is uh, at least not in reference to like school bells initially that even though that's where my brain goes behind, that is one of the three meanings behind saved by the bell but it is not its origin it's actually the most co- uh current yeah. and recent meaning yeah, that's that's where my brain goes. Um, I have literally no idea, even in modern day, under what circumstance you would use blow smoke in my ass. Well, it is not so, modern. Yeah, um, it's definitely not modern. I mean, most of this shit's going to be boomer-esque, but I mean, blowing smoke up somebody's ass is like telling, like lying to them or trying to puff them up a little bit. Like, mm. like I'm blowing smoke up your ass like I'm lying to you, like I'm giving that's you a, shit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Or that you're inflating something that is trying to hype them up over something that isn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have no idea. Okay, so they actually both originated with the cholera epidemic in the 1800s, the early 1800s. You fucking there. There was a one in one million chance either of us would have even come close. <laughs> and you still asked us that, that question. But see, you're that's still, because I wanted you to see your all answer. the things I expected you, you to say. Gonna get it. it would have been I knew like, you weren't going to get like, it. But you could have said, like, well, it has to do with when uh, old industrial machines would blow smoke out of the out of their fucking pipes and a bell would blow. No. The fu- of anything believable, nothing came out of your mouth. You just said, well, it has to do with the fucking cholera epidemic. <laughs> I guess I wanted to hear what your yes, your Alex, f- fucking 
I wanted to give you a chance to create some content of your own on this segment. Not yes, I'll take 500 really... on things I didn't expect Sully to say. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> so we're, we'll start with smoke up your ass. Um, so well, let's start there, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the funny part is so cholera was, um, if you don't know much about cholera, essentially it gives you diarrhea to the point that Ugh. you will pass out and possibly die from dehydration. Ooh. And it spreads through, yeah. <laughs> and it spread through that. But one of the things that they were having an issue with was people would have cholera, they would be dehydrated, and one of the most common things that people do when they're dehydrated is pass out. And <laughs> smoke up there. Yeah, and that's literally what they would do. There, it's called a tobacco enema. And so oh. when I first heard. This phrase tobacco enema, I was thinking kind of like coffee enemas or something where like it'd be like some chew or something mixed with water and then that was pumped up at the ass like most enema things are. But no, they literally had this kit that was a tobacco enema kit that were as common to find as defibrillators are nowadays because they didn't have a way of resuscitating people um, very common back then because this is the early 1800s. There's not really electricity or any of these other methods. So what they had was literally these kits with these that would have a hose and it would have tobacco either pre-rolled or ready to be rolled. And you would literally shove this hose up the unconscious person's ass, take a puff from the cigarette or the cigar that you had, and then blow into their ass. And it would cause them to wake up because it was such a shock to the system. I know exactly what to do next time we all drink together and one of you guys won't wake up. Yeah, it works, except yeah. the reason why it didn't stick around was, as I mentioned before, cholera is a diarrhea disease. And when you blow into the mm. ass of someone who has di like chronic diarrhea, you're going to have a case <laughs> of the poopy mouth. I really like putting a tube in someone's ass that has diarrhea and then putting yeah. my mouth to it, so regardless yeah. of whether I'm fucking sucking or pushing. So when you wake this person up, you're probably going to get cholera, too, because you just got... You know, a lot man, of yeah, my man like, just scared shits into the fucking tube, just shoots literally, in the back of your throat. literally. Mm. They did come up with a bellows version, but that ended up causing issues <laughs> because the bellows would do too much and actually, if not kill, grievously harm that person by overinflating their intestines. So it was there was just no, and that was the best <laughs> thing that they could come up with. <laughs> To try and resuscitate someone because you couldn't shock them. Like you could, water was not common because you were having issues with all the shit that you had back then, literally. And it was just that's that's literally what blowing smoke up someone's ass was was literally blowing smoke up someone's ass in order to resuscitate them. <laughs> and you'd have issues back then with drunks or people that were just passed out for other reasons, and then you'd just have people blowing smoke up their ass and they didn't need it. That's and yeah, and so then we then we go to Saved by the Bell. Now, uh, the original thing that Saved by the Bell was from due to the cholera epidemic is with this dehydration, people passing out, there was a high chance of someone getting buried alive. And there was one case of somebody who was not actually buried alive, but um, as they were being put into the coffin they started waking up and they're like, Oh shit, this almost oh. happened. So I'm we need familiar with this actually. Yeah. And so we need to, um, 
make sure that this never happens where we go all the way through. So then they would create what are what were called safety coffins that would have the string. And the issue, though, is this string, um, as it was buried through through the coffin, it would be tied around an appendage of the person. So all they had to do was move just a little bit, <laughs> and it would ring the bell. But if you're familiar with the basics of decomposition, mm-hmm. um, the, the corpse will bloat, or it will move, or you'll have everything from people sitting up to uh to getting boners from rigor mortis like so i, just, any I don't know of, why but i just pictured like a dead guy shooting up in his coffin bonking his head on the top and then just falling back down and no one ever happens. seeing it yeah it, it happens happen. all the time but it's just so um, comedic to me for some yeah. reason nowadays with with people actually being prepared properly it doesn't happen but it used to happen and so that was actually um and so that's what that saved by the bell thing was is if you if that bell rang they would dig people up and see if they were alive and there's not a single case of someone actually being alive when once they dug it back up it was all just false alarms which also then led to some of the vampire myths of yep. like people being dug up cuz they think that oh they are alive but now that the sunlight's hit them they're dead again because the sunlight hit them and that's how vampires can die is because of sunlight and that's where that one of those things comes from zombies also kind of came from that didn't it uh, a little bit yeah um and there there was also like you've probably seen the caged um yep the caged ones yeah that that came with the zombie scare and the, and the vampire scare and stuff like that where they would be forced to stay in if they were somehow breaking out yeah um and uh it was it was the other thing is along with the whole um the cholera epidemic, we can go ahead and touch into wakes. And that was the whole point of the wake was not to actually go see the person, but to wait around and see if they wake up. You st- I think it was 72 hours. You would sit around and wait to see if this person was actually dead, give them 72 hours to wake up because they didn't really have a real way of telling they were alive because their heart rate was so low. And that was also where the... Th- practice of bringing flowers to a funeral came from. It wasn't because you wanted to give something pretty to the grieving family. It was because during that 72 hours of sitting around with a dead body, you didn't want to smell their ass the whole time. You'd bring flowers Speak to yourself. Okay, smell buddy. something better. I mean, if you want to go take a whiff of grandma for three days, that's on you. You don't have to bring flowers. Listen, but bring most people would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't fucking ask for that. <laughs> So that's where all these, that's where those traditions actually come from, is making sure that people were dead in the 1800s from cholera. And, uh, but then the, you've got the other um, Saved by the Bells that are more recent. The next one was the boxing term, Saved by the Bell. You got a guy that's oh, about yep. to pass out. They ring the bell and he goes on to the next round, has a chance to recover. Yep. And then I believe we have a TV show that was called Saved by the Bell, which then brings in what you were saying yes. before of like, the bell for class is ringing and saving you from either in school or an awkward um, situation or something that is like that. Absolutely, where I got it from. I used yeah. to watch that. I used to watch some combination of Saved by the Bell, uh, Beekman's World, and um, Jesus, I forgot about Beekman's World. And uh, <laughs> one other show, I don't remember what it was called. It was from that era as well. I used to watch all of those in the morning, and now when I hear Saved by the Bell, it's literally what I think of all the time. Fucking Zach Morris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the other term that that was actually falsely connected to the original Saved by the Bell, the safety corpses, was Dead Ringer. A lot of people, you might have heard that from time to time of something that looks Mm -hmm. identical 
Um, some people, for some reason, thought that that just because the it was a dead person with a bell that rang, that that was one of the origins of the idiom, which had nothing to do with corpses or ringing a bell. Um, the term ringer actually comes from a counterfeit replacement, typically, something that looks identical but is false. And it originated with horse races. So dead ringers were actually um, when a someone who was presenting their horse for racing would either present a amazing horse or a an emaciated horse for their uh, race. Usually you'd have an emaciated one and then the bookies would rate them all and that's how you get your odds on the racing. And then they would sub one in that looks the exact same, typically would have similar patterns, like if they were all all gray with like a white splotch on their forehead or whatever, then you'd find one that looked the exact same but was in better fit condition and then you'd bet on it to win with a low with a better range of betting. And so that would be a ringer and it was a way of cheating in horse races. And then you actually what one of my favorite facts about this one was the fact that it was called a dead ringer. Dead was literally just added for emphasis, <laughs> similar to how we say dead ass nowadays. Dead ass. But, yeah, but they used it back then. So we literally were basically saying dead ass hundreds, of, like a, <laughs> about 150 years ago, we were saying dead ass, just, just saying dead without the ass part. Jolly dead rigger, hmm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indubitably, good sir, hmm? yes. And then to wrap us up while we're still talking about horse races, there was piss like a Russian racehorse. I don't know if that's something that y'all have heard up north. I've heard just piss like a racehorse. Yeah, I've never heard it with the Russian in it. Yeah, Russian is how it originally was. And that was because the mob actually cheated at horse racing by using animal abuse. They Mm -hmm. would basically prevent their horses from being able to urinate until they finished their race. So that would motivate them to run faster. And that's how they would uh, try and get their horses to run faster. And so Russian racehorses at the end of a race would let out gallons because they would overfill them or overwater them and then make them run a race and then allow them to urinate after it was over. So piss like a Russian racehorse was, that's what that originally was from. Imagine getting hit by that. It'd probably knock your ass out. Oh my God. It'd drown you. You would die. (laughs) Well, I mean, on impact, it'd probably fucking get rattled so hard that... You would yeah. just be like fucked up on the spot. And then when you're knocked out, then it's suddenly pissing into the back of your throat. And it's like, okay, well. Yeah. <laughs> and that Jesus was actually. Christ. And, yeah. <laughs> and that was actually one of the first idioms I learned about. Because I was curious, why do people say this shit? And then I started learning more and more about idioms just out of curiosity. Because who'd have fucking thought that you get an idiom from the mob cheating at horse races? But True. that's how all that stuff comes about. And that's yeah, idiom, idioms are culture, right? Yeah. You know, it comes down to it. It's it's culture. And I mean, the mob is a huge part of American culture, whether we want to want to admit it or not. So and cultural facts that get diluted throughout the years are always interesting. And mm-hmm. finding finding the origins and finding all these little facts about things that we didn't realize where they came from or what their uses were. Or all these other things. And I guess as a wrap up, this is one of my favorite facts I've recently learned that I have to share that (laughs) is equally hilarious and disturbing and upsetting. Um, So you're aware of the existence of Chihuahuas and that there's a country called Chihuahua. Yes. um, Which is where they first found Chihuahuas. Obviously, we found we found this little rat dog in this in this uh, country 
so we're going to name it after the country that we found it in. Um, so Chihuahuas were actually the first recorded writings were basically hieroglyphs or pictures of them were found in the Mayan culture in their ruins. You want to guess what their use was in the Mayan culture? What, what their existence was for being domesticated? Farming. Close. No, it's going to be something terrible. It's, there's, there's one terrible one, one adorable one, and one obvious one. There's three total uses. To be pets. That is not true. Alarms. Nope. What the fuck is the obvious? To eat? The obvious one is for ritual sacrifice. Oh my because god. Because Mayans fucking sacrificed everything. Yes. That, Jesus that was your, Christ. The, the terrible one is that they were basically their chickens with minus the egg laying. That's, they raised them as basically poultry. They overbred them and they had tons of them running around. Kind of like they cows would, and shit, right? Yeah, and they would just they would pick one up and have it for dinner, and that's what they that's that's what they did. (laughs) They raised them. They raised them as little miniature chickens or poultry, and that's what that was their use was um, guaranteed dinner. And they didn't breed as fast. And obviously, there's a reason we eat chicken instead of chihuahuas, other than the fact that they're dogs. Yeah, but they probably don't have too much meat on them anyway, right? uh, You can fatten them up like just as much as any other animal. It's just it's not healthy for them. But I need pictures of fat chihuahuas. Listen. (laughs) Anyone that's going to fucking listen to this, find a way to send me a picture of a fucking cute fat chihuahua. That's all I want. Like, okay, at, on Twitter, Twitter, right? Twitter.com, at Kyle underscore XCVI, send me pictures of fat chihuahuas. Thank you. I'm going to send you a picture of a fat something. (laughs) You hear that, chihuahua? but the the fun one that my the the fun one is they actually used them as healers as well they were uh they were thought to have healing properties so what we use like hot water bottles you know those uh big bags you put hot water in and put it on your head or your stomach they just put a chihuahua on you that's literally what they would do you have a stomach ache lay on your back put a chihuahua on your stomach and it worked like in their society it would work because in and medically, it would work as well because it'd put a little bit more pressure, some more heat, and it would work. They put it on your forehead, put it on your neck, whatever I'm sure was. Aching. Some of it was placebo too, though. Yeah, there was definitely some placebo, but there was a little bit of like pressure and heat do miraculous things whenever your body's aching, and yeah. that was one of their other uses. Is they were basically hot water bottles of that, of those days. <laughs> Wonder if they also would like, given the time, use them as like ice packs. Uh, you, you mean they would make a popsicle out of one of them? Well, yeah, just like throw it in the freezer for a bit and then put it on like uh, like where you hit your head. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they had ice back then. Yeah, well, I mean, you just take it out to the <laughs> snow and then you. There you go. Yeah, that's fucked up. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts before we end our first episode? Uh, that's it. That's all I brought to the table today for Sully's fun facts. Yeah, anything even about, you know, the the game stuff or whatever? Just anything? Speak your mind? No. I think that you both are wrong. And I'm the one that's right. Oh. And we'll just call it a day, you know? Oh, you have fun with that, sir. I I will. I'm going to cry. 